This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I'm delighted to introduce my special guest today. Um, we're chatting because the big festival is coming up this weekend at Alex James's farm, just down the road from where I actually live. Um, Ralph Roll, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really delighted. For those who don't know, tell us about your role in Sheep and also the other things you do as a freelancer, a self-employed person. Do you call yourself a freelancer. Tell, tell us everything that you do for those who might not have heard of you. So, yeah, I've been, um, I've been with uh, now uh, Rogers and Sheik for quite some time now. It's going on, um, I think, about 15 years. Mm-hmm. The, um, the original drummer, Tony Thompson, as you know, he passed away. Uh, and then after Tony, um, the band uh, actually stopped doing gigs for a while and then they reformed. Uh, and the drummer is a very legendary player named uh, Omar Hakim. Mm-hmm. And he was in the band for a minute. But I've always loved Sheik. And uh, even through my freelance years when I was doing other things at the time, um, I was um, doing tour- touring and, and musical director for a big Japanese artist named Toshi Kubota. And I was also working on a TV show in New York City and, and Sheik was doing their thing. But I always wanted to be in the band. I just thought that I just felt like I could really give something to the the entire organization from from what I do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the guy that was holding the chair for a moment, his name was Nathaniel Towns. They called me and said, "I need a sub because I'm playing with Joe Zawinu, who's a very famous. Uh, he just passed away a few years ago. Very famous artist." And he said, would you like to do the gig? And I said, are you kidding? Of course. <laughs> like, this is like a dream come true because yeah. every time that I tried to get in the, the, the radar of Nile and, and show him what I could do, which was quite a few times, he, you know, Nile is someone that even though he's having a conversation with you and he's focused on that, there's a billion other things going on you know, in, in the background that, you know, right off to the sides where you don't see, there's just stuff going on all the time. So I, when I got in the band, um, it's kind of funny how it happened because they sent me a live performance and what I do, uh, so musicians will know, I uh, listen to what uh, I'm sent if it's a live performance and then I listen to the originals if we're doing songs that are part of that band or whatever it might be because I want to get a cross blend of the two, uh, of two sounds. 
So my goal is always to accentuate the music no matter what. It, it never has anything at all to do with me. It's all about the music. That's how I think, that's how I play. So I wrote out all my charts, wrote out everything that needed to be written out and Niall said he wanted to hear me. And he set up a, uh, a, a, a rehearsal for myself and the bass player. It wasn't Jerry Barnes at the time. Jerry had, it was on hiatus and working with someone else. Uh, and Niall walks in and I'm all ready to go. Drums are set up and he says, okay, let's take it from the medley. And we start the medley, which is, uh, was, is in the middle of the show. Mm. And uh, in the middle of the medley, after doing like two songs, he stops, packs up his guitar and starts to exit the room. And Another thing that I talk to musicians about is ask questions. Don't, mm-hmm. don't ever assume, you know, if you're not comfortable or if you feel like something needs an answer. So I say, excuse me now, <laughs> uh, was everything okay? And he said, yeah, you sound great. I'll see you in Switzerland. Oh my God. And that was, and that <laughs> was it. Racing like client interview yeah, 101. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, was, it had to do with all of the times that I tried to get him to see me when when he was in the room mm-hmm. and hear me playing, you know, so this time like, okay, what, what I've noticed about working with Niall, when he, when he feels something, it's, it's a check mark. It's done. It might, it might take 10 seconds. It might take 20 minutes. It might take three hours. Mm-hmm. It might take days, but once he puts the check mark on it, he's not going back to that too many more times. Wow. So I met him in, in, in uh, Gestad. Uh, we did a gig. I played the show. And after the show, the singer came to me and she said, uh, Niall really likes the way you play. He wants to know if you want the gig. And I was like, well, what about Nathan? She said, well, he, it wasn't really Nathaniel's gig. He was just holding it until Niall found what he wanted. But he really likes how you sound. I said, absolutely. And uh, that, that was quite some time ago. Because <laughs> yeah. at the time... I think my daughter was three and okay. she, she is now to, as of today, starting her first class in college. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> oh, what a big day for you as well. What a big day for yeah. the family. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's uh, thank you very much. Yeah. So, you know, that's how the whole Nile Rogers and Sheik thing came about. Yeah. It was very, it's very good, actually. Very good working here. That's such a thrill. I love that as well. Because I imagine anyone who's self-employed that will be listening, everyone has that dream client. And you sort of think, you don't imagine that people whose name you might know or who have, you know, levels of fame might still have those feelings about working with someone big in their industry. You kind of imagine that you guys all just, you know, hang out at festivals and just collaborate and it's just really easy. It's really nice to hear that that was a dream person to work with for you and you kept that dream and you worked towards it and didn't lose sight of it. I was a complete fan of mm-hmm. Sheik, like everyone else. Anyone else, everyone that heard Sheik, most people became an instant fan because what, what Niall and Bernard did that was so genius is that they took a genre of music and actually gave it some funk. Mm-hmm. You know, disco was kind of just straight ahead and they, the, their first song out the box was a straight disco song. But then every other song that they had uh, produced for Sheik and other artists had, it was danceable, but it was funky danceable. Mm -hmm. Like when he talks about us on stage, he says that we're uh, a disco, funk, pop, 
uh, R&B soul band. So it's like we're five, and it's true. That's a lot you know, of genres in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if you listen, if you listen to the sound of Chic, you you'll want to dance, but it's very funky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like um, other disco records that came out, which are all great, incredible records that I love, like Instant Replay and you know, Come to Me by Donna Summers, and oh, yeah. you know, these are all great songs, but they were straight up disco songs. Like mm-hmm. they had that four. Four and four, poo, poo, poo. and Nile when he adds the 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 guitar, and and Bernard would come up with these iconic freaking bass lines, it just turned it into something else, and that is the reason why that music has stood the test of time over now three decades, four decades, four yeah. I think, yeah, Five, so early yeah, seventy two I think, yeah. yeah, four decades, and when you go and when you do a show and you look out into the audience, it's always amazing to see kids singing the lyrics. Mm, I bet. Yeah. That is like, what? Like, <laughs> yo, really? Like, so if, if my daughter who doesn't like anything, you know, even, even with the cookie company, I'll, we'll get to that later. Yes, she, yes. Is the, she is the ultimate taste tester judge of everything. <laughs> like if if I hear a song or if I'm working on a song or a track or whatever, I'll play it for. Her. Mm-hmm. And if someone says, "Can you check out this artist?" I'll play it for her because she is the ultimate critic, and wow. she loves Sheik. You know, uh, one of her favorite songs is "I Want Your Love." She loves "I Want Your Love." Yeah. Oh, there's so I'm trying to think of my favorite. There's so many to choose from. It's hard to pick a favorite. So I love that she has a favorite because. Most people will think, yeah, I like that one. Oh, yeah, but what about this one? It's the kind of band that every single song that comes next, you're like, oh, my God, another one. You know, it's just hit after hit, isn't it? But you mentioned the yeah. cookies there. And yeah. so you're playing, obviously, with the band at the big festival. Yeah. But you yeah. have something else going on at the big festival, which people might be surprised about. You have a bit of a double <laughs> life as a, an entrepreneur, don't you? Tell us, cookies. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I've, I've always been the kind of person... And I think I got this directly from my mother's energy to just, if you put your mind to something, just do it. Don't think about necessarily what someone else is thinking because those things could derail you. Um, And when I was coming up, my mother, uh, I always liked being in the kitchen with her. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, my father wasn't there. He He was gone before I was born. Mm-hmm. And I'm the youngest of four. Okay. So my role model was my brother and my sisters. Mm-hmm. I spent the majority of my youth uh, before I was able to go out on my own with my sisters and my mother. Mm-hmm. So I had probably a different view. And most guys that I talked to who were raised by their mothers have a different view of relationships and the things around them. Because honestly, you're getting it from a from a uh, a non male feminine point of view, mm. and one of those things was cooking. You know, um, being a kid growing up in the projects, mm-hmm. it wasn't the kind of thing that people embraced, like this little kid, you know, wanting to cook or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I loved I loved being in the kitchen, just watching and and learning. My my sister. My older sister, Yvette, was an amazing cook. You know, she passed away, but her, her cooking was so, she, she put art to it. And I loved watching her when I was a kid. She'd make a sandwich and I'd make a sandwich. 
And her sandwich just looked like art and my sandwich just looked like a sandwich. Oh. So just loving the, the creativity of trying to come up with new stuff, watching them bake, my grandmother and my mother, and, and just picking up on it. And also being a shy kid mm-hmm. came into play because when I, when I would meet girls, I would, I would bake something for them. Love it. And with, with the kids in the neighborhood, um, if they had a birthday, you know, I, I and especially the ones that were out with that were without fathers, without fathers, mm. I would I would bake a one layer cake or cupcakes or whatever, just give it to them, un, un, unannounced, just happy birthday. And it was just one of those kind of introductions. Food is a very special introduction, just like music. It's mm-hmm. entertainment. And I, I, I just love baking and it, and it, would, it would impress the girls. So love that's, it. that was, that was my rap. The cookies was my rap. Your rap. <laughs> 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 I guess, yeah, if you're a musician, like you're the guitar or something and you're thinking, oh, serenade the girls. But I guess serenading with drumming, not so easy, perhaps. So cookies. Yeah, and that, right, right. And then there's a lot of stuff you got to set up and take with you. So, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know. So cookies uh, was the introduction, and uh, you know that started at a very young age. So I, I kept it up, um, which was which was good. It's turning into something amazing. And t- tell us about the brand. It's it's in the Bronx, isn't it? It's back in New York. Yeah, the the brand actually started when I was still living in the projects. I, when I was young, uh, my my mother passed away in the eighties, and I moved back home. I was living with a young lady. When my mother got sick, I moved back home. And uh, when she passed away, I just stayed in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my production company moved in first and we started producing music. And then my girlfriend moved in second. And one day my, my good, still to this day, great friends, Gerard Harmon and Armando Colon, we had a company called Fat Cat Productions and we were doing stuff for Jive Records and other labels and it was really cool. And one day I went in the kitchen and said, you know, I'm going to make some cookies. And they said, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I came back in the room with the cookies and they was like, dude, are you okay? And I know what they were implying. It's like, it wasn't very manly to go and bake cookies. I'm (laughs) telling you, that's what it was. But, but, once they tasted the cookies, they, their first response was, hey, dude, every time we come back, could you make sure you got the cookies? Yeah. Yeah. So, and my girlfriend and I, holidays rolled around, and we had a bunch of friends and family. You know, we're all lovey-dovey and everything. So I said, why don't we just make the cookies and send it out to you know our friends? It was 36 people we had on the list mm-hmm. that we wanted to give to, and that, we couldn't afford it. So then we made the cookies and everyone loved them. And everyone said, you know what, why don't you guys think about selling them? So that was the spark because I always wanted to, but it was like, okay, that's the spark. Let's do it. And we started and, and things took off really, really quick. Uh We ended up leaving the apartment because it got too small. And that came from the first time that we actually premiered the cookies. I was Uh playing at an open mic at a soul food restaurant in New York called Sylvia's. They had a room next door to their main restaurant called Sylvia's also. Mm-hmm. And the night, uh, the proprietor of the evening was a, is a woman named Melba Wilson. Melba Wilson now owns one of the most popular restaurants in Harlem called Melba's. Okay. Well, I, I called her up and I said, Mel, I got some cookies I'm thinking about selling and I want to, you know, bring them to the open mic night. She said, fine, bring them. And that was the beginning. And we brought the cookies in and here's what's crazy. 
if you're a Prince fan, if you're a Prince fan, where a lot of people are Prince fan, there's a singer that sings with Prince. Her name is Shelby J. She has a bald head. I've known mm-hmm. Shelby since like forever, oh, so wow. over 25 years. Yeah. And she was the singer and, and, and MC for the night. So right. Melba's at the front door taking the money and, and, and Shelby's the one bringing people up for the open mic night. And then she introduces the cookie. And people, we give some out and we, um, we sell everything. And it just so happens there was a guy at the bar from a magazine. And it was called YSB Magazine, which was owned by BET uh, Network, mm-hmm. which is a, a television network in America. And he says, sounds like a great story, Ralph. You're a professional drummer. You're on TV every week. You grew up in public housing. Your girlfriend graduated from Juilliard. She's also from public housing. And you guys are together doing this company. And he interviewed us. I was so ill-prepared. I had no way of people getting in touch with us. So you wouldn't be thinking that would happen that night, would you? You just thought you were going to sell a few cookies, No, I thought we'd sell a cookie, see how people (laughs) like it. Let's take it from there. Well, he interviewed us. I gave them, I gave him my sister's pager number. And back then the pages numbers had a a specific pin number. Yeah. So, so in the article, he put the, 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 the pager number and the pin. And I'm thinking, eh, we'll get maybe about 10 or 20 people that might want cookies. Well, the article came out and in phases, wherever people had gotten the magazine either delivered or they went out and bought it, it the first day was like, okay, my sister called and said, well, you got three calls, okay. Mm-hmm. Then she'll call me back in a few hours ago. Okay, get a pen, because you have 10 more people who want. Okay, mm-hmm. next day, there's 25 people who want cookies. So now, my apartment is now a baking, and all we have is our, our regular, you know, home oven yeah. to bake cookies. So now I have racks, uh, metro racks, cooling racks. I have big bags, 50-pound flour. It's, it went crazy. Across the street from where I live was uh, my friend Artie and uh, his brother Patrice. And his mom, Miss Durant, had a, a, a brownstone, and the bottom level was for rent. So I was like, that would be perfect. It's right across the street. So I asked Patrice, the younger brother, I said, yo, ask your mother if I could rent. He said, I'm not asking her, you ask her. So so I went over and I said, Ms. Duran, is it okay? I, I This is exactly what I'm going to do. I got to gut the kitchen. I got to put in a convection oven. I got to put in a vent. I got to do this. I got to do that. And she heard everything I had to say. And she went, okay, no problem. Brilliant. So I put in a three-tub sink and that's how we began. And then the next thing that happened is um, I, I got a friend of mine, Angelo Ellaby, Double Exposure uh, Publicity. I said, let me, let me see what happens if I tell him. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, he had us everywhere. And the big call came when the New York Times called us because they had seen us on TV. We was on the TV Food Network. And uh, I actually hung up on the woman because I thought it was a prank call. <laughs> Listeners, don't do that if a potential client yeah. so, I, so she said, hi, this is the New York Times. And we'd like, I said, yeah, okay, whatever, bye. True story. And she called right back and she said, hello? I said, hi. She said, this is the New York Times and we want to do a story on you guys. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. So they came out, they took a photo of us in front of the projects where we grew up and uh, where I grew up. 
And that turned into a whole nother thing. And, and that's how it all got started. The, the Soul Snacks Cookie Company was kind of born from, from all of those happenstances, uh, which, you know, it's, it's uh, very important to, and I try to tell this to everybody, you know, you don't have to be born with lots of money. You just have to be born with, with a passion for what you want to do and, and the willingness to work at those things. And if you do that, sometimes the end result could be very, very great. You know, and what what I honestly see more times than I like to say is people talking themselves out of their own dreams, you know, which is very disturbing to me. I hear, I always, and, and what I mean is you have an idea, you start to think about how this could work, you get very excited, and then you start building bricks up around you. You start going, well, what if, what if it doesn't work? And what if... I, you know, what if the people don't like the product and what you start going through all these scenarios that haven't happened. So now you're talking yourself out of greatness. And that has always been a big problem for me because with all the stuff proven today and every day mm -hmm. that goes on around us, that is not that great. Why would you spend time building up your own walls when every day you walk outside, you got to deal with stuff. Why, why add stuff to the stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I'm in therapy right now. That's amazing. <laughs> but it's, yeah, because I never thought of it like that. It's like literally building yourself a little, like a big pizza oven around yourself. It's like, well, yeah. why would you do that when you could just say, well, I've had an idea. I'm going to, if you worked like that, you wouldn't have done the cookies. You probably wouldn't have ever become part of Chic because you just said, well, what if he doesn't like what I do? And what if I fail the audition? And what if he walks away and doesn't like me? You'd have never even got to that point, would you? Well, yes. And, and, I try to tell people this when I do my motivational speaking, when I do my master classes. Mm -hmm. My goal is to try to get people to see themselves through a different lens mm. because life is this one time trip and it's fast. It might not seem that way some days, but it's really fast. You can probably sit here right now and remember the stuff that you were doing when you were 15 years old like it was yesterday. It's fast. So my encouragement is to just let people know, I started a cookie company in the midst of being a professional musician. Uh -huh. And I believed in it to the point that it's now growing. And we're, we're in the midst of, a, I can't really talk about it fully, uh -huh. but we're in the midst of a major deal right now for 2000 stores. Wow. That the, the papers are already signed and the, the last presentation is in less in just about a month, the 24th of September. Mm -hmm. So my point is, if I would have blocked myself and built this wall and put up these bricks, would that have ever happened? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. So passion has no time stamp and no expiration unless you give it one. That's what passion is. Passion is something that you work at no matter what anyone has to say about it. You know, one of the best books I've ever read is, is The Freak by Nile Rogers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I work for the guy. I read the book and it's one of the best rock and roll books out there. And, and that's by critics uh, 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 critique. Mm -hmm. 
you know, their critique of his book says this is this is a story, and it's all true. But that's saying Mao was a broke, poor young man, but he wasn't broke and poor in spirit and passion. And every person that you'll talk to, from from Bono to Sting to uh, uh, there's a group called the OJs. There's oh, another yeah. group called the Whispers. Mm -hmm. It took them 20 years to get their first hit record. A lot of people don't know that. When they, when they heard those great songs by these groups, they oh. thought it was immediate, but it was 20 years of work. You know, some people are shorter, some people are longer, but it's not about the sprint. You got to run a passionate marathon. A passionate marathon. I love that. That's really, yeah, yeah. yeah that's something I want to write down and like, yeah. my desk or something no but it's it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's really it's it's true and and that's why the cookies are where they are that's why um when people sometimes they hear that i bake cookies this is the reaction i don't laugh mm -hmm. they go what <laughs> you make cookies like aren't you a drummer no i'm not just a drummer no not at all i'm a i'm a husband i'm a father i'm a baker I'm a drummer, I'm a singer, I'm a producer, I'm all of these things because life is short. Mm -hmm. And, and you have- being an entrepreneur, right? As well as you can say, well, yeah, I, I wanna do drumming, but actually I don't have to ask the boss if I can set up a cookie company. I'm gonna give it a go. I work for myself, I'll decide. Exactly. I mean, it's really that, that, that inner passion that has to make you you know, when you think about it, there's no plan B. It's this is the plan. This is the plan. The plan is that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this successful and learn everything I have to learn yeah. in order to move my company forward. That will take many iterations, both up and down. Mm -hmm. But at the end, every single thing that happens is a lesson to be learned. It's how you apply the lesson. Do you apply it in a positive way or yeah. do you apply it in a negative way? Some people, when they get punched in the gut, they go, I'm not fighting anymore because that hurt. Yeah. No, I got punched in the gut because I didn't block. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So the lesson here is when you see the punch coming, block. Yeah. Weave. You know what I mean? Learn from the big mistakes. Mm -hmm. Apply it to the forward motion. And that's how you can become personally successful. And the last thing on this particular subject, success is not based in how much money you make. Success is based in finishing the thought. Finish the thought, complete the thought, complete what you're trying to do to the fullest of your passion. And now you are successful. Whether you made $1 or $1 billion, you saw it all the way through from A to Z, that's success. People get it mixed up. They think success is money. That's not success. Because you, you can lose money any day of the week. But when someone, when you, when you have knowledge and passion for what you do, no one can ever take that away from you. Yeah. Never, you know. I love that. There's so many people that I see on social media, especially in the world as I do coaching as well. And lots of people are like, I can make you a six-figure salary person and I'll tell you how I earn my first $10,000. And I say, and I'm like, unfollow. Like, it's, 
you know, even if you'd like to earn that much money, if, I think if you make that the reason for setting up your business, like you say, it's like you've got to have a passion first. You might want to earn that amount of money, but you can't make it the only reason you're setting up a business, I don't think, like you've just said, really. I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, what I've learned in my years <laughs> is that when people follow those types of things, that they're, they're trying to get rich quick. Okay. And there's a very old saying that I think everyone knows, easy come, mm -hmm. easy go. Yeah. Okay, but say for example, you did find that person that says I can make you $10,000 in a week. And you don't make $10,000 in a week. You make $25 in a week. But there might be some lessons that they taught you that you can apply to your forward motion. So it's not a total bust. You know, it might have been a mistake because they were, you know, scamming people. But was there any information in what they told you that could be beneficial and profitable not financially, but educationally to your forward motion. Mm -hmm. you, you get my point? Yeah. Always Even if they, learning. Yeah. Yeah. Every day that you walk out the door is an ability and a, and a, and a, and a, a possibility to learn something new. Yeah. And, and, and I know all the things that I'm talking about. It's like, it sounds like you can make 10,000. That's not it. At all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I've had my cookie company now for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And like I told you, I've had ups. I've learned from them. I've had downs. I've learned from them. But the thing is, I believed in what I was doing. And I never gave up. Mm -hmm. And there are people in my realm, in my world, that believe in it too. And they haven't given up either. Yeah. And now we're about to start doing we were we were doing very successful things but now it's going to be on a larger scale because i really don't like to look at things in the terms of of, of dollars and cents mm -hmm. it's, it's to me it's more about um you know who do you touch how do you touch them how do you how do you reach them how what is the volume of what you're reaching them with mm -hmm. you know and then if it turns into if the residuals of that is income then you've done something great Mm -hmm. But you've already been successful because you saw it all the way through. Yeah. You saw what you could do with this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's really, it's really empowering to hear you speak about it. It's lovely. It's really, and because you're going to do a demonstration at the festival, aren't you, as well? And I wanted to ask you about the festival scene, I guess, especially the UK festival scene. I mean, we think we have the best festivals. I know every country thinks they have the best festivals, but very much in the UK, we're like, we feel like we're the festival people and, you know, how does it feel to be coming back into performing live after the 18 months of COVID and lockdown and the struggle for the arts and, and the music industry? Is there an, an extra thrill there to be coming back to the UK to, to playing some of our home turf? Um, I, yes, it's, 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 it's overwhelmingly great to be able to look out in the audience and, and see people enjoying themselves mm. and 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 having a good time just being you know in a community you know uh that is a good feeling uh -huh. you know but like i said when you when you've been through stuff it's important 
no matter what it is, to find the lesson in what you've gone through. Mm. Not the negative part of that lesson, the positive part of that lesson. And that could be anything at all. So watching people like over the last few nights of the shows that we've been doing, just totally just lose it. And yes, there are great festivals in the UK and there's amazing festivals in Ireland. Um, and, and all over Europe is like the Europeans, y'all, you guys go to another level when it comes to festivals. Mm -hmm. yeah. It really is. It's like, we're going to camp out for four or five days. <laughs> we just, we're just gonna, you know, we're going to get rugged and love the life yeah, and love the music. <laughs> yeah, no, you do. You do. You guys, you guys go, you, you go into, as we say in New York, you go into beast mode when yeah. it comes to your festivals and, and that, that is a beautiful thing to know that when these same kids become parents, I've heard this, they encourage their kids mm. to go to these festivals because it's, it's almost like a, 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 a what is it, a, a rite of passage almost. Yeah. To get out there. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing to see. You know, as I said, when, when I look out and I'm playing and you see generations of people enjoying and having fun, it, it must mean that you, you've done something good for the for the plant. Yeah, you know Very that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, live and, music and, we've missed it so much, and it is oh. yeah. <laughs> the idea of going to a live gig again just makes me feel all tingly. It's like it must be amazing to play one. <laughs> the first night that we performed, when we got to, we are family. Tears were uncontrollable i cried and and i was trying not to let the audience see me you know just so emotional but it was beautiful it was you know music is a beautiful thing and what it does to your to your to your life is a beautiful thing and sometimes some songs like okay you we've all gone through this We've gone through relationships, we've had breakups, and you feel like whoever wrote that song was singing it to oh, you. Yes. <laughs> and you play, yeah. It's like it's like they sat down and said, you know what, I'm gonna write this song for Ralph because he really needs this right now. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school, there was a girl that I was dating, I was in love with her. We we actually were friends from from kindergarten. Oh cute. <laughs> and yeah, and when we got to high school, our paths crossed and we started dating. And um, she went away to college and found a senior in college, and, and it was over. And, and, but we remained friends. She, um, she, passed, she passed away uh, from cancer about three years ago. But believe it or not, we remained friends all of those years. But when we broke up, it was the most painful time in my life. <laughs> and the one song that I latched on to that I would play over and over because they wrote it just for me was a song by the OJs called She Used to Be My Girl. Oh. And the song, every time I heard that song, I was just go, she used to be my girl. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that you listened to that. Did you ever tell her? Yeah, I did. You did, course, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, I did, yeah. The song, yeah, I, I couldn't, and, and whenever I heard that song, I couldn't help but cry. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. he used it. Yeah, it was it was hard. We broke up. It was not nice at all. It was very hard. Breakups. And she, 
Yeah. Yeah, but she was so mad. You know, as close as we were, she was so matter of fact about it. You know, and and, and I, it's but it's young love. You know, and there's no you know good or bad way. You know, to have a breakup, it's always hard, especially when you said you love someone. You know, even if you grow to hate them and you feel like you're emancipated when you leave, there was. <laughs> There was a point in that relationship where you was having the best time of your life where you wouldn't have been with that person. So my theory has always been, okay, we're not getting along in this relationship. So how about if we just back it down to friends again? Mm -hmm. Can we do that? You know, so most honestly, most of my ex-girlfriends, other than maybe one, we're friends. That's really lovely. Yeah. So you know what? We didn't, didn't expound on the, the cookie part of the, uh, the festival. Yes, yeah, no, I'd love you to tell sort of what you're, what you're gonna be doing at the festival. But yeah, what will you be doing exactly for the cookies? Okay, so, yeah, bit. so at the, at the big festival, um, I, I turn into uh, a, a chef, mm -hmm. a, a, a baker, and I demonstrate the, how I bake uh, my cookies. Uh, and they, there's questions that are asked of me and how, how I get started. What do I do to prepare my, my batter? What do I do to, you know, to go into the oven? I, you know, all those things I talk about. And then at, as soon as the cookies go into the oven, I go over to the drums and I entertain the audience Brilliant. while the cookies, while the cookies are baking. So, um, I do some really cool songs and then as soon as I'm done, it's time perfect to go back over to the oven, take out the cookies, and then let them cool and serve it to the people. That's genius. Do you think so, that the drumming helps the cookies bake? Well, I've seen them. I've seen them kind of bounce up and down. So I would have to say yes. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Genuinely, like I wonder. It's like maybe they're listening. Yeah. It's like if you play music. Yeah. To, is it, don't they play um, classical music to cows, I think, some, in some farms? Maybe we'll have to ask Alex right. James yeah. on the Saturday. <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, we'll they... if you play classical music to the animals on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I guess that's nice, you know, uh, to do, to play classical music. Uh, I would play funk, yeah. you know, yeah. get some, you know, play some funk, get some funky milk, you know, <laughs> chocolate with a, with a flavor. <laughs> What <laughs> the funk on there? Oh, oh. <laughs> What's your favorite cookie that you make? What's your your if you had to pick one that's your I'm having that. Okay, one. when we first started, I started with my grandmother's uh, chocolate chip recipe and her oatmeal raisin recipe, and from there, um, eleven other flavors have since been developed, and just recently another new flavor. But my favorite for a minute there. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. First, it was the uh, it was the uh, down home double chocolate chip, oh, right? That was the first one. Then my next favorite was a creation uh, of a sweet potato cookie. Okay, curveball. Yeah, sweet potato, very soft, very very almost biscuitish, uh, if that's a word, biscuitish. I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna tell Miriam Webster. Yeah, yeah biscuitish. <laughs> you know, it tastes kind of biscuitish. Um, and then we came up with a cookie, uh, called the ebony and ivory almond cookie, which is our take on it. You know what a black and white cookie is? No, I don't think you ever I seen that. 
It's yeah, it's it's actually um it's a cookie that came by way of um Europe to America. And what they did is on one side of the cookie they put white vanilla frosting and and then on the other side they put chocolate, dark chocolate vanilla frosting, and they called it a black and white cookie. So instead of us doing that, we came up with the ebony and ivory almond cookie, which is really, really, really tasty. Oh my goodness. Very and I brought some with me as well. But the big winner, the big winner of late that I, I purposely, like I got to run from, are two neck and neck. We have a cookie called the Lemon Love Cookie. It's a lemon cookie that once you start eating it, you can't get enough. And the big one is it's a uh, coconut milk chocolate toffee cookie. Sickening. I'm literally like, I'm glad this isn't a video because I feel like I'm dripping. <laughs> <laughs> no, the coconut milk chocolate toffee cookie is insanity. Wow. That cookie, once you bite it, you are hooked for the rest of your existence. We have, um, we now have a restaurant as well. Mm -hmm. And right in the front of the restaurant, we have a stand for the cookies, like a very uh, country, country store kind of stand. Mm -hmm. And the cookies are there and people come and there's, there's a lady that every single day she comes in and buys 10 cookies from us. Brilliant. Um, but they're fresh baked, they're home baked. It's a style that I learned how to bake. And um, that's what I'll be demonstrating. And then I'll be giving out cookies as well. Brilliant. So but, uh, anyone who's you know, coming on Saturday, if you want cookies and drumming. They yes. Is it Saturday, right, that you're doing the demonstration? Yes, it is yes, Saturday. Yes, yes, yeah. brilliant. It's going to be fun. Uh, I try to keep it as fun and as, as light and, and uh, just groovy as I possibly can, you know, because I want my, my, my joy in life is, is paying forward with positive energy through music, through food, uh, through conversation, you know, because it, it, listen, if COVID didn't teach us that we are all connected, then you'll, we will never get it. COVID absolutely showed us that the air we breathe is universal and connected. Uh -huh. And it's killing everyone. It's not just killing a certain part of the population or a certain culture, it's killing everybody. And that should, the lesson, as I said, finding what's good in this tragedy is understanding that we as a people, as a global community, global citizens, are all connected and should try to do more to protect this planet and the things around us and be more empathetic and, and, and caring towards one another. Very simple. Yeah. It's so simple that some people might even wash this away and start being creepy again. <laughs> but, 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 you know, this shows that we are all connected mm -hmm. easily by something so vicious and and mean, I found something positive. And the positivity is to, to tell the world, we have to get over whatever we're doing to each other. At the end of the day, we're all part of a big global community mm -hmm. and we should do whatever we can to help each other. And that's just how I feel and I always feel that way. I love that. That really speaks to me about being a business owner as well, because there can be a lot of it can be easy to see people as the competition and to try and, you know, jump higher than somebody else. But actually as self-employed people, you're, you know, yes, there's competition in terms of, you know, 
you, you want to be perhaps best at what you do or really succeed and that might mean pushing harder or that kind of thing but at the same time helping everybody gets you further and happier generally than just ignoring everybody else and not not looking to support anybody else right it's it's very true that we we just have to keep in mind that you know you know i just posted it on my facebook um just the other day mm-hmm. I, 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 a friend of mine a guy named James Jiggets that I grew up with he posted something and I took the photo and I, all of the writing around the photo I took it away mm-hmm. and I just wanted people to understand without explaining what the picture meant it was a white egg and a brown egg in a pan with the shell sitting mm-hmm. next to each other and then the picture right next to it if you go to my Facebook page you'll see it Cool. And then the picture right next to it is the same two eggs broken open. And what does it say? Oh, that's wow. Yeah, just eggs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, but yeah, that's that's really powerful. Where, where do we find your Facebook page? We need to know. You, you can you can just go to Ra- go to yeah. go to Ralph Roll Facebook Brilliant. and you'll, you'll you'll see it. And it spoke to me in such a way that if that as simple as that photo is, if you don't get it then, and if you find something else in what you're seeing, yeah, you need you need to check yourself because <laughs> some yeah. people have said stuff like, "Yeah, well, the black egg, the the white egg is 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 taking over the brown egg," and I'm going, "Hey yo, hey yo, calm down because <laughs> it's it's that's not the message here." But if that's how you feel, fine, but. <laughs> It's, it's I, see just, it. I see it because there are blue eggs and there are speckled eggs and there are small eggs and big eggs and ostrich eggs and quail what eggs. Happens like with, it's a great what, analogy, what, actually. <laughs> yeah, but what what first of all, what comes out of all of them is is a bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, a beautiful bird. But before that, before it turns into that bird, if you break them all open, they're all going to look the same inside. They're they're all set up of the same stuff. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> I love that. Oh, well, so it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. I, I'm so chuffed that you would take the time. I don't know oh, if you knew no, that word no. actually chuffed. Did you say that as well? Say it again. I'm sorry. I missed that. The word, we say I'm really chuffed, like I'm really pleased. Oh, chuffed. I like chuffed. It. There you go. I'm really chuffed that you would come on my podcast. <laughs> oh, not a problem. And would you like to, to, to tell people where they can find you, where if you'd like them to follow you on Insta or if they want to come and hear more about yeah. you, that kind of thing, where um, can they find Ralph and the cookies? On, on Instagram, you can go to Ralph Roll. Uh, you can go to Drumroll, D-R-U-M-R-O-L-L-E, on Twitter, Ralph Roll. Uh, you can follow me on, um, you can go to my website if you want to see that, it's ralphro.com. Uh, the cookie website is eatsoulsnacks.com. Brilliant. Uh, the restaurant website is soulsnackscafe.com. Um, so yeah, Instagram is also soulsnackscookies. You can Brilliant. go there too. Brilliant. Yeah. Can we buy them in the UK or do we need to order them from the US? Um, believe it or not, I met with a gentleman yesterday, just yesterday. Uh, he came to my show. He's a very influential person. He, uh, he's someone that you see on TV. Mm-hmm. And he, we're going to discuss how we can make that happen. Watch this space. Ralph, yeah. thank you. It's been 
an absolute pleasure. Good luck on Saturday. Break a leg, rather. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful time here in the, in the Cotswolds. It's very sunny for you. I think it's going to be lovely. So, yeah, all is well. We're back into live music and eating cookies in the sunshine. Thank you, sister. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com. And for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.